everybody, and welcome to another episode of MG Rants. As always, I'm Tanner Grace. I'm joined by Ross and Miriam. Ross, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. Just kind of a typical week here. Um, that said, I'm doing particularly well. How's that? Because of the recent play of oh, the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I was going to say you're like, what, 9-2 and two in your last 11 or something like that? Yes. Like one of the best teams in the league? Yeah. But, Tannen, well, you don't understand. They would be so good they, teams, too. Yeah, they had this run, and then I thought, oh, the, ske- like, there was, the schedule's going to turn in January. And they just got through a four-game stretch, which might be the single hardest four-game stretch that any team has on a schedule this season of any teams in the NBA. They had to play Boston, the team with the best record in the league. They're just the best team in the league on the road. So the, the first three three of these are all on the road. It was Boston, Philadelphia on a back-to-back, then Milwaukee. Those are the three best teams in the East and three of the like six or seven best teams in the league. And then they come back and play defending champion Denver at, for their first game at home, who is also one of the you know, six or seven best teams in the league. Now, coming into the stretch, I was just crossing my fingers that they would get one. Just don't lose all four. Yeah. So like, find a way to steal competitive. one. Yeah. They came out in Boston. I've never seen a game be over faster. Like, I've seen you know one team come out on a run. And in the NBA, especially these days, with how much three-point shooting there is, you think, like, even if you're down 10 or 15 early, you have plenty of time to get back into the game. The Jazz were down 10 or 15 within six minutes, and I, you just knew, based on the, the just the timbre of the game, there was no chance. There were not, not any, they're just not on Boston's level. And Boston dominated that game, ended up winning by 29, and honestly, that makes it look closer than it was. So the first game was just a train wreck. Then they catch a break. No Embiid in Philadelphia. He's been injured recently. And they win a pretty easy game against Philly without their best player. So I was like, great. We caught a break. We got the one. And now we've got a chance to you know, maybe win two. But I'm happy with the one. They get to Milwaukee. No Dame. I'm like, well, fuck. We caught two breaks. They uh, they go up like 36 or 33, I think, in the first half. They were up at 31 at halftime. The Bucks narrow the lead to seven, and the Jazz hang on and win. They won by like fifteen, so it felt closer than it was because of the the wild swings. But they win that game, and then we come back and play Denver last night. Denver's fully healthy, hadn't played in a couple days. Like there's no rest advantage, yeah. And so now I'm thinking, okay, we got our two-two. I'm ecstatic with that. They fucking took it to Denver last night. I didn't realize apparently. Nikola Jokic is one and eleven for his career in Utah. You're just his kryptonite, yeah. And the one game that they won, hilariously enough, was a game where they only had seven active players and were on a back-to-back. It was. <laughs> I remember sure. this game. It was just like you know, going in, everybody thought it was going to be a slaughter because this is when the Jazz still had Donovan and Rudy. It was, and then they just came in and like played an amazing game, and beat them with seven players. And it's the only game Jokic has ever won in Utah. Michael Malone, their coach, is like 1-12. They just never win here. And, I mean, fully healthy. The The Nuggets starting lineup, that their starting five, has the highest net rating of any five-man lineup you know, that has played a reasonable number of minutes in the league this year. They're plus 20 per 100 possessions. The Jazz outscored that lineup by 25. 
It was it was insane. This team is it's great. So I've been enjoying watching the Jazz this year when they were a train wreck for the first month and a half. So that's where I am. <laughs> Just I was riding the waves of the NBA season. Well, I'm glad at least one of us is in a good mood. I'm not in the best of moods right now. Uh, no. And it's probably about... I mean, I, look, I'm going to try not to get too personal with this or whatever, but like, it, it has to do with the, uh, the the information that just came out today. And I do think it's a net positive for Magic. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a Magic-related topic. Everybody thought this was going to be about the Atlanta Braves or some sports thing or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh, so let, let's let's recap the story. We're Thursday, January 11th. Uh, it's a little after 1 p.m. my time, look, uh, 2 p.m. Ross's time. And the announcement for the future of the regional championships just happened. And it seems that at the end of this year, so it's the last regional championship this year, and then the ones su- succeeding that, you know, the next you know year, year and a half. And if that goes well, I assume they'll just keep renewing the contract. Uh, SCG will be taking over instead of DreamHack. Uh, I've known for a while that, like, the DreamHack thing probably wasn't going to be a sustained thing. It was a great idea. It's really cool to go to these big conventions and have a lot of other stuff going on. Um, I do think for uh, a lot of reasons, it makes a ton of sense to move to SCG. For for let's start with the obvious ones. Uh, it's going to be run better. Nothing against yes. DreamHack. Nothing against DreamHack whatsoever. But... Uh, the I think we're, we're underfunded and understaffed a lot of the times so over there, and you can you yes. can see that. As well, while we've been a part of DreamHack for these regional championships, Magic is just a very small part of a much larger enterprise that's happening. Yeah. So we're not the priority, <laughs> and that you know caused issues where you know they just weren't running the tournament to the standard that <laughs> it needed to be run. Uh, another big thing they made sure to to say in the announcement today, because there was like a, a press release from SCG today about this, was uh, as always, it'll be free to enter SCG cons because it's going to be at an SCG con, and you know that's a big thing when you look at the Dreamax. Just a walk in the door. It's what I look here. Here's the thing: I don't even know what a badge costs. I, I've been to a million Dreamax. I've never paid, obviously, because I'm an employee. Yeah, you know, not on Dreamhacks, but you know, I work the events, so like all of my stuff is taken care of, like. I literally don't pay for anything. You know, it's a, it's a very blessed way to go about these things and, and to be paid to do my work there. You know, I'm selling my labor, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what a badge costs. I know they've got to be, you know, what, what could it cost? 40, 50 bucks, Michael? You know, I feel like I'm, you know, <laughs> quoting about bananas right now. But anyway, I think, it's, I think that was the price for a day. Yeah. So you're taking away that cost to, to the consumer, yeah. which grand scheme of things, not a ton of money, but it is a prohibitive cost. Well, I, I think it's especially important for LCQers. Yes, like 100%. That's what I was thinking about on the car on the way home because you and I were texting about this all this on that because I just like walked in the door immediately started doing this podcast. Uh, I think it's just a net positive for literally everyone. It's great. You're going to have more people showing up to these events. Um, maybe we'll have a slightly better stocked uh, card things in the room. You know, that's been a big complaint the last few years, especially with standard coming back around the bend uh you know it was a big thing that we talked about on the show for a while you know maybe we'll have standard cards etc cetera, etc cetera. you know uh since there's gonna be more people in the room maybe more vendors etc cetera, etc cetera. but like just huge net positive uh SED runs great events their staff is top-notch and again in no way am i ever saying anything bad about the staff or the people who work for SED because there's a ton of overlap here as well from dream act SCG. and i think they have done an immensely great job of what they've been given. 
again, not saying anything negative about this. So try to be as openly honest about this as possible while also talking about my coworkers. And, um, you know, for, for, for a lot of the complaints people have about like, you know, the days being long or whatever, but what we, we do what we can with what we have, you know, like the, especially the last event, you know, day one was like a bajillion hours and it sucked. And people were like, you know, why do we do it this way? Why could we just move one of the rounds the next day? We wouldn't have gotten the tournament done. We would have been kicked out of the hall before we finished it. In fact, they yeah. were physically trying to get us and, to leave. And that is just a consequence of being beholden to DreamHack. Yeah, I assume that we can get maybe, you know, the different areas that we're going to be in, which the first one for SAG will be in Washington, D.C. I've never done an event in Washington, D.C. before, but I'm, I'm assuming... I've played a couple of events in D.C. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that it's just going to be like, yeah, if y'all are like there until like 9 p.m., it's fine or whatever on Sunday. You know, like we were, you know, we were one of the only things still going on on the last one besides uh, one of the other games, which it was like one of the big games it was like the World Championship or something. So they weren't getting messed with. But, you know, we had like workers coming over there and like we had to move everyone out that wasn't essential. So like during the finals, it was like the staff, the players, that's it. There was nobody watching. Nothing. Yeah, which is right. not you know, a great environment. This is yeah. supposed to be a big match. You want to have the yeah. crowd. And even if, you know, you don't necessarily see the crowd on coverage that much, you can kind of feel the energy there. And that, that does come across when it's a silent room that, you know, that it's just very bad optics. Yeah. hundred percent. So, and the same thing happened with SCGs yes. back in the day when they were two, one day events That's why they went to yes. two day events. You know, the, the things went long they kept getting pushed out out of the venues, and then the the last couple of rounds of the tournament would just be like you know very anticlimactic. Yes. At one point, uh, so th they started running into an issue. Uh, as an aside, where the players could hear the commentators mm -hmm. as the room you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, died out, uh, and yeah, I remember the the commentators would have to talk like they were at a PGA event. Yeah. And He's draw a brainstorm here, and uh, <laughs> Nick Miller would take out his phone and start playing just music off his phone yep. to try to drown out the noise. Make a some ambient too. noise somewhere, so like the, yeah. the voice, because like uh, you know, we don't have that problem with the way we were doing RCs now. The commentators are at home. Like I'm yeah. the only person on site that is doing you know stuff for the event or whatever. But like, I was, you know, thinking back on it, it's hilarious. And if like if I were doing the commentary gig of that, and I'm in the room, I would be in particularly a lot of uh, trouble because not only am I loud, I project really well, and it would it would I would I would have to whisper, and I had to like consciously whisper the entire time, you know. And but even with us being as far away as possible, like for some of the you know the flesh and blood events I did over the last few years, we would have that problem. And I started telling them, I was like, put us as far away as possible. I remember one time we were in another room. Like, we were already been in the same room. Like, we had doors and walls in between us. But also, another another positive here, Ross, yeah. they're SCG cons. So the whole thing is about card games. It's about Magic, Lorcana, Flesh and Blood. Uh, they've been doing some other games as well in here that I they just escape me right now, but those are, like, some of the big three. Their Lorcana things have been getting, like, what, like, 5Ks or 10Ks lately? Like, or they have one coming up? You know, yeah, uh, these, these are going to be big events. They're, yeah. There's going to be a lot going on, J just like DreamHack, but it's going to be all TCG focused. Yeah, it's going to be all gamers and stuff. And yeah, you're gonna have it's it's gonna be it's gonna f have the feel of old school Grand Prix for sure. Because as of right now, I think there's 1,500 people signed up for Denver, and we're a month out. Which, <laughs> by the way, I need to book my flight or whatever. You know, because I got to go do coverage for that. And 
Uh, I kind of haven't explained yet the reason I'm like, you know, somber about this. Uh, it has been great for me in my coverage career over the last year. Um, you know, we've noticed I either like don't talk about flesh and blood as much, or I haven't talked about gigs that I've been doing in flesh and blood because I haven't been doing them over the last year. And there's, there's a multitude of reasons and stuff there. And then, uh, coming into, coming into this year, I was like pretty hopeful because last year, like coverage for magic for me was, was great. I did so much work. And it was like all upward momentum that year too. Like I did all the local, when I say local, I did all the US pro tours. I did all of the regional championships. I did all of the arena championships online. I did like a mox and like some other stuff. Right. And that was huge for me. You know, it's like, you know, 12 ish, 13 events or whatever for, for magic, a lot of upwards of momentum. People, people who worked for wizards would come up to me and like, talk to me, uh, and like use my first name without me introducing myself. Like they knew who I was. I was talking about inside the company. I felt like I had a lot of t uh, upwards momentum. Uh, Q this year, you know, you had the thing that we kind of skirted around it and talk about a lot, but they had the, the, um, what's the right way to put this? You know, and they had the layoffs at WOTC and the, the yeah. you know, the 20, the 20%, right? You know, it was all Paul Cheon and some other people, some names I'm not going to name, uh, because, you know, some of it wasn't public, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was actually part of that. It's not something I've talked about publicly, but, I will not be attending Pro Tour Chicago. My position uh, and the people who do a lot of the stuff that I do, we our position got eliminated for Pro Tour Chicago. So I will not be there. Here's the thing that I did I did like about this. I was emailed by somebody about this, and they were like, "It was multiple paragraphs, uh, like, hey, like, we're not going to have you Chicago. We're very sorry. We love your work, like blah blah blah. You know all that all that kind of stuff, which I was very appreciative of. Yeah, and they were like, <laughs> we had to cut something somewhere. And we know this isn't a luxury, but it's something we like having, but like we, we just had to make cuts somewhere. It's so not essential. Yeah. It's not essential, which it's going to hurt coverage for sure. Like I was talking to one of the commentators. He's like, wait, y'all just aren't going to be there. We're just not going to have any information. I'm like, you will have, as far as I know, no extra information unless they get a judge to do it. Maybe, you know, like someone who's already on staff that they have to have there. Yeah. Maybe they can pull somebody, maybe for Sunday, they can do that. That might actually help out a lot. Right. But I won't be there like doing the dedicated stuff. And uh, the way in, like, being told A was huge. Like, just, hey, instead of just, like, being ghosted, which has happened yeah. in other games before, <laughs> that I've put a lot of effort and time into, I just got ghosted. I remember, like, reaching out to them and being like, I didn't appreciate just being ghosted. Like, you could have just told me you're going in a different direction or that I wouldn't be doing this. And yeah, you could have just acted charged, in a professional manner. Yeah, the person in charge didn't get it. The person I was talking to, they were like, what do you mean, like, like, why, why would you, like, assume? I was like, well, I assumed because I've done every event for you for three years straight. And <laughs> I, when I saw the schedule come out, I just blocked that weekend. I actually said no to another paying gig, which is, this is where the real problem happened, you know, where I got up and I was like, I said no to another paying gig during this weekend. And instead, I have nothing now. Yeah. And they're like, why would you assume you do this? I'm like, well, I've done every event for you. Why wouldn't I assume this? Yeah, you know, and, and you just know if that person, if they had come to you and like asked you, and you had already booked a different gig and said, "Sorry, I've booked something else," they would be mad at you. They'd be like, "Well, why? Like you've done every gig for the last three years. Yeah, why would? Why you? didn't you block out? Why yeah. didn't you assume?" Yeah, so like, yeah, it, it goes both ways, right? Like, it's, yeah. just, it's about mutual respect, and I did, I did not feel respected in that instance, right? And this is something I haven't talked about publicly before. I've told, you know, told some friends and stuff about this, but you know, I didn't, I didn't feel great about the whole way that this went down. And stuff, and so it's it's left a sour taste in my mouth, and then like now I lose a gig for for Watsi, and then I don't know what's going to happen with coverage for the regional championships going forward of SCG, and what I mean that I don't know what's going to happen with me. 
I assume there's still going to be coverage for the regional championships. SCG has the stuff in place. You know, I'm sure they can call up Cedric and P. Sully and like, let's be real. If, if I end up not being a part of the coverage, which I, I, I assume I won't, I'm not sure. But if I send a look, that, that's a good consolation for us. I get to stay at home and watch those two do their thing. You know, the actual goats, you know, do their thing. Yeah. But I'd love to be there doing what I do and love to do and frankly feel like I'm good at. And I've put a lot of time and effort into in the last couple of years and paid my dues and done my things. But this this industry has been hurting a lot over the last few years. You know, the bubble kind of burst a lot on esports in the last few years, and we're feeling a lot of that. It's very cutthroat. Um, you know, I've I've had all the situations where, you know, like you get ghosted, like I said, or you get replaced with somebody uh, who's just much cheaper than you are. And that's the only reason, right, that you've been replaced. And it's like, well, they will accept a lot less money than you will. And I'm like, yep, yeah, I guess that sucks. I need to, I like to eat, you know, like, I like, <laughs> you know, because that's another thing I tried to convey to somebody once. And I was like, you, you know, they're like, well, why was this really, a, you know, this shouldn't be this big of a problem. And I'm like, well, you're messing with my livelihood. This is like my main source of income. This is my job, you know, like, and yeah. I know like some people are gonna be like, well, you can't make assumptions and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you, you kind of can for certain things, but whatever. I mean, let's not get into this. I don't want this to like, you know, derail too much of that. So like, there's like this, I, I'm a little somber when it comes to that for the personal reason, for every other reason, I'm ecstatic. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be really good for the game, really good for Magic to have a flagship program like SCG and the people who are behind it and that usually know what yeah, they're doing. Well, not saying, again, not saying DreamHack doesn't know what they're doing. They do. With the people who do the DreamHack stuff, like absolutely love the people that I work with and work for. Yeah. What do you We're just say? putting the regional championships into a product that makes more sense. Having RCs at an SCG con at a magic focused event where the RC is going to be one of, if not the primary focus of the larger event, as opposed to a minor, you know, part of a much larger uh, event is mm -hmm. going to be better for the RC. It means we're more of a priority. It means we get, you know, a larger percentage of the resource pool in terms of administration and space and you know and money in order to make sure that the event is run to a certain standard and that the event is run you know successfully that is creates a better play experience for the, the players <laughs> you know i think a lot of the issues that we've had with dreamhack were not them being you know incompetent or lazy or anything like that it was no. just we have certain constraints because we are DreamHack and we're doing all of these other things mm. that are more important to DreamHack than the RC is. Yeah. So where there's only so much we can give to you and only so many of your needs that we can meet, yeah, SCG like, can meet more of them. You're just a cog of the wheel instead of the main thing going yeah, on. Yeah, instead of the axle turning the gear. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> for all of you, you know, car people at home. And yeah, I like, hope that was, uh, I think I was right in that <laughs> yeah, analogy, but I'm honestly look, not sure. <laughs> you, you said it with conviction and it sounded right. So to me, yeah. it was good. All right, whatever. This, I'm not a this car may person. surprise you, Tannen, as someone who has never held a driver's license, but I don't know much about cars. As a person who's had a driver's license for more than half their life, I also don't know. <laughs> that may surprise you. You know, I've had a driver's license since I was 16. I'm what 39 now, so like that's that's a that's a bit. Uh, yeah. So, I, 
don't get me wrong i'm happy for this i think it's i think it's great you know if i'm not doing um the coverage for the stuff like yeah you know maybe it's time for me to put my cover stuff down you know maybe it's time for the career to be over i hope not i hope i get to make that choice myself but in this industry that's very much not the case yeah. very often i mean i just hope scg recognizes that you're very good at what you do i i, I appreciate you saying that and i i hope that's true I mean, I have worked for them in the past and it's been fine and great. So hopefully that's a, that's a thing that happens, but you know, they have also, their own people. It, it's well, it's unclear to me at this point, what kind of, if they're going to do coverage, right? If SCG is going to do coverage for this event. Uh, and I, I'm leaning to say, yes, you know, th there was a certain, um, let me see it's if probably I can part of the, it's probably part of the damn thing is like, you have to do coverage, like. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like it might be part of the contract that they didn't explicitly state in the announcement that they would be doing coverage, but they quote Pete, uh, Pete Heffling in saying, um, I'm excited once again to work with Watsi and offering high level competitive magic, the gathering events, qualifying for a regional championship is no small feat. And we aim to ensure that the experience qualified players receive matches the prestige of their accomplishment. Yeah, that's. Was a telling or, line yeah. for me. Yeah, that that says that they are going to make this, you know, a big event, and right. coverage is a really, you know, sort of step one in making yeah. an event like this matter. So I'm I'm expecting coverage, um, and I don't know what kind of staff they have for coverage these days. Like they haven't yeah. run, they they've run. I guess that they've been running flesh and blood coverage at the SCG cons because uh, they have to. N n no. They did no? for a little while. There is there is coverage there, but they started doing like the Anu thing. Like they okay. outsource it to someone who backpacked. So you know, it's like backpack coverage type thing. Yeah. You know, this, so, this is the name of it. it the guys. I, I don't know what kind of people good. they have on staff right now to do that. I know or, they got rid of a lot of them, but yeah, I would, like I would assume a lot of them would be anxious to come back. If, if yeah, so yeah. maybe they hire people back, or maybe they you know continue to contract that out. Yeah. So so we'll see. I mean, yeah, in, I, I assume that those things yeah. will become clear in the next six months or so, but yeah, that's a thing, you know, like maybe I'll reach out to some people and be like, Hey, like still very willing to do this, you know, kind of thing. And then if Watsi has a say to it whatsoever, like hopefully, you know, my name comes up because, you know, apparently I've been thought of well by Watsi the last few years. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to be too doom and gloom today. Sorry, everybody. If I, if I sound somber, it's just, it, I'm sure you've been fired before or let go of a job or been in a negative situation with a job before and the somberness that it puts on you for just the, your entire day or your outlook. I mean, I was having a really good couple of days in a row too, Ross. I should have known something like this was coming. Yeah, the hammer or, was going to drop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I'll try to be happy. I'll try to be, you know, upbeat. I will be for the rest of the show when we get to uh, what we're talking about next, which is just we're going to, you know, continue the flashback type stuff because there's not a lot going on in Magic right now besides, you know, this announcement today. We'll probably a lot more in the next show once, you know, Standard kind of cleans itself out. We're starting to see RCQs and stuff happen. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about in Standard, though I'm going to wait for the dust to settle over the next few weeks because we keep seeing like drastic changes every week and i feel like if we talk a lot about standard it's going to be obsolete by the time our show goes out what we're seeing now we're seeing it in timeless too which is another format yeah. people are playing a lot at this point um we're both formats are somewhat underexplored you know standard yeah. has been kind of left on the shelf for a couple of years and timeless is brand new so there are and underexplored formats 
are always received well. Mm-hmm. You can remember back to the early days of Pioneer, which we covered extensively, <laughs> and you know everything was changing a ton week after week, and that was it wasn't really just because of the the ban the aggressive bans to try to set the early ban list. It was because nobody really knew what was good, so you could win with almost anything as long as you you know built your deck coherently and played it reasonably well. So everyone's really excited, and I think that's indicative of the format being really wide open and super balanced. Really, it's just indicative of us not knowing the bounds of the format. We haven't really yet figured out what the dominant decks are that are sort of setting it. In standard, it's starting to materialize. The domain deck is you know easily the most played, and some of the aggro decks that get underneath it, and aggro control decks are starting to you know um, you know become good. I've seen Azorius and Demir lists that are like you know cheap threats and counter spells, which are obviously very good against a ramp deck. So you're starting to see that push and pull in the in the metagame where you know one deck rises up then people figure out what decks beat that deck then you figure out what decks beat the next wave of decks and that keeps kind of going until you eventually sort of exhaust that cycle and we start to see the sort of metagame settle and then in this case you know neither metagame is has settled at this point and we're still in that early cyclical nature of the uh of the metagame yeah it's, you know, it's getting like- established we're seeing like mono red make you know jumps and stuff at times. I mean, like we're seeing some crazy yes. stuff happen. Esper is just always going to be there and always going to be good. Whether it's you know Esper Legends, Esper Mentor, yeah. like all kinds of stuff going on. Um, for, for the uh, for the like half percent of our audience that has read Thomas Kuhn, it's sort of like the you know the era before a paradigm is established in scientific inquiry. We haven't yet established the paradigm. All those words were English. I didn't understand a goddamn one of them. All right, anyway. It's- it's it's a very well known academic book, Tan, and it's called yeah. the structure of scientific revolutions. It's well, really I'm, good. I well, have a copy. I'll loan it to you. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That's a thing I'll get out right on and read, Ross. <laughs> it's it's really really good. Oh, I'm sure it's it's a page turner. Yeah. Sem- seminal work in the philosophy of science. Anyway, <laughs> I, I love you, Ross. I really really do. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, like there's a there's a local RCQ here in my in my town on Sunday, and I've thought about attending and playing. The biggest problem is like card acquisition for me for standard is like pretty difficult, um, and I think that's actually a thing that's going to lead to some interesting results from RCQs, where like what you see online is not going to necessarily mirror what you see in real life. Because if you go into like Magic Online, it's like all Domain Esper, and then like Mono Red was all over the place last week and did really well. But like if you go to like your local event. Like, people might not have the cards for the Domain decks or the Esper decks, and they might not be able to get them in time. So you're going to be seeing people, like, make other decisions. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mono Red is really, really popular where I live, because the deck is relatively cheap and probably easier to get. And is also just very good against Domain. (laughs) Yes, it's also very good against... And here's the other thing. I I say that it's easier to get. Honestly, sometimes, if your deck has a lot of, like, commons and uncommons in it, it's harder to get those cards in time than it is to get, like, your Sheholderids or whatever. Or, like... You know the rares that you need for your deck because who's who stocks these cards like and yeah your local store might have them right but in general people don't come into a store and they're like oh like let me sell my chase rares my chase mythics or whatever but they don't they don't sell in and i'm just using you know examples here they don't sell in their fatal pushes their cut downs you know their uh you know considers i'm sure they do helping hands i think of like the random cards that are making deck you know decks and standards some of the red cards as well like uh Commando faces Kazakhstan or whatever, you know, like those cards. And yeah, they might have a few copies of them, but do they have 12? Do they have 16? Do they have 20? 
do they have, you know, 40? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, they might not have that many copies because, like, they can't really offer, you know, like, what? They may sell the card for a dollar. Like, they may sell it for a dollar. And then if not, like, can they really give you anything? For, like, they can give you a quarter. Is that is that worth it? Like, who carries change anymore? Like, I actively hate having change. You know, the coins? Like, yeah. I, like, I would just keep it. Like, keep it. Like, I'm like Iron Man. Oh, do not hand that to me. I, like I just have a jar on my desk, and when I get change, yeah. it's in my pocket. As soon as I get I, home, in the jar. Yeah. I, I'm like pointing to my my closet, my office. I have I have something up there with change in it, but it's it's been there for like eight years, you know, or whatever. Like I don't I don't want to mess with it. I don't I, I don't. I want nothing I, to do with the rusts. I actually th- I was I remembered the other day. This is a very strange aside, but bear with me. It's called um, MTG rants, Ross. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, when when I went home for the holidays. I uh, I took a sort of roundabout route because it was way more it was way cheaper to fly into LaGuardia in New York than fly into Hartford. Mm-hmm. Um, can can, can about, I change it for like two seconds? Yeah. It, should it be like MTG comma rants? Should that be your actual name? Because it's MTG <laughs> and it's rants. It's not just MTG rants. You get what I'm saying? Or is it MTG yeah, period yeah. rants period? Like what's 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 is, is it a semicolon? Like what's the correct? Maybe it maybe a slash. MTG Ooh. slash rants because it's just both and all at the same yeah. time. Okay, anyway, so you flew to Laguardia because it's, <laughs> it's cheaper. You, yeah, you're everything everywhere all at once. So I was like so, thinking in my mind, I was like, how would I actually punctuate this? Are you right? Because yeah, it was like three hundred dollars cheaper to fly to Laguardia, and it's fifty dollars to take a train. So you do the math, and so I had to navigate from Laguardia back to Grand Central uh, Terminal in Manhattan, which I've done many times and was a cinch, and then take the Metro North to New Haven and then transfer from the Metro North onto an Amtrak up to uh, close to where my parents live. And so uh, I I had some cash on me and I also just don't like carrying that much cash. So I paid for my Metro North ticket in cash. And I had like, you know, I was owed like, you know, a couple dollars in change (laughs) and it came out all in coins. I got one of the Sacagawea golden dollars Mm -hmm. that they released 20 something years ago and were wild. It's really been popular. that long. Wow. Yeah. It was when I was in sixth grade. So that, yeah, they got released in, in 2000, not yeah. Or early 2000. I think it was because they did that really late run of the Susan B. Anthony dollars in 99 for some reason that are now like kind of rare because the Anthony dollars are originally released only in 79, 80 and 81. Sorry. I know a little bit about numismatism, but, uh, that was just an excuse for me to use the word numismatism, by the way. Yeah, we're going with big vocabulary today in the episode, <laughs> apparently. Ross, look, you, you got the $10 words out. We need the, like, 10-cent speed of change. We like the 10-cent words here, buddy. Okay, I, so, so I have this change in my pocket. Over three syllables, too many for me, buddy, all right? And, and I was like, you know, whatever, I'll just deal with this, this change because I wasn't expecting it. And then I will, like, the other day, I was like, where did that go? And I just couldn't remember and, like, couldn't find it. And I'm pretty sure I just left it in my pants pocket. And then when I did laundry, you know, during my time at home, it just ended up in the washer or dryer uh, at my parents' house. So I hope they find it and spend it wisely. But that that's my, the end of my rant, Hen. I, lo- I lost my Sacagawea golden dollar. <sighs> Rip. Right. I'm, trying, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to muster up the amount of care that I need to, and I just, like the amount of fucks that I need to give here. It's just, it's still empty. Like after today and the last few months, man, I'm sorry. Behold the field in which I grow my fucks and see that it is bare. It's, it's see that it is bare. Yeah, I absolutely. <laughs>
Sorry, I'm I'm trying to. Sorry, everybody at home. I sound a tiny bit distracted. I was listening to Ross. Ross has been messaging people. Like we're getting a lot of this information as we're talking. And Ross, yeah. I know I know you're talking to people. I see on Twitter and some of those. I'm also talking probably to some of the same people in DMs. We should all probably like you know get together and stuff. Like I'm talking to Corey and some other people. Like who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to reach out to? Like, because uh, again, we talked about this earlier. Things I don't want to make assumptions because those kill in situations and. Uh, they hurt careers and stuff. So, like, I want to be I, in the in the past. I probably haven't been as proactive as I should be in some spots when it comes to certain things like this and stuff. You know, I've always been like, oh, like, I'll just get I'll get reached out to by the right people, and that doesn't happen very, <laughs> very often. You know, I am I am not a huge name or a staple. You know, kind of thing. So, we'll see. Uh, I mean. It sucks too. I've been having a lot of fun doing like you know you know what it specifically sucks for the RCs because I love all my children the same Ross but the RCs are probably my favorite if I had to pick. Do you know why? Yeah. There's a very specific reason why I like RCs because you get to watch people like living their dream of getting to the pro tour. Absolutely. That's it. Like the best interviews are like the last round or two of Swiss when they've locked it up or like you know they they clinch the top eight or the top thirty two. And I get to have an interview with the guy and, you know, I'm talking to him right before we go to the thing. I'm like, have you ever qualified for a pro tour before? And they're like, no. And the gr- you just see the grin on their face, right? They cannot contain it. And, you know, like, like one of the guys last time, he's like, look, I've been trying for this for a decade. He's like, I went to my first PTQ, you know, or whatever, 10 years ago. I went through all the different systems. When COVID hit, I thought I would never get to go. Then they brought the pro tour back. And I was like, I'm giving it another shot. You know, at the RC, I'll never forget this. One of the guys that was there. Uh, the Friday of the RC was his birthday. He comes down unqualified, right? <laughs> RC uh, last chance qualifies, right? He wins the last one. I think he plays in like three of them. Wins the last one to qualify for the for the RC. And I remember he like top eights the RC, right? Yeah. I know like, yeah, he like top eights the RC. He might've been one of the guys that gets in the finals. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember exactly where he finished. They all kind of blended the one, but just insane story, right? It's his birthday. He's not qualified, shows up, wins everything right qualifies for his pro tour might even qualify for worlds i can't even remember but like that story right there like i wish we had more time you know i wish we had like a sports center type show that we've had those in magic history they've never stayed around but like you know you could do the in- investigative journalism and like really go through the whole thing give them like the 10 minute you know spiel on that that would just be absolutely awesome what was that face you just made anything uh it would say uh announcement from the scg discord they are apparently going as soon as once SCG takes over. So starting for presumably the season that qualifies for DC in the fall. Is this something you can actually talk about right now? Yeah, it's been. Oh, oh sure. It was, okay. They announced it in their Discord, and it's sure, just been sure. shown on Twitter now. Uh, but apparently, players who are already qual- previously qualified for the RC can keep playing in RCQs starting once SCG takes over. So, will the invites pass down? Um, I mean, you kind of have to do that. Says very unlikely that invites will pass down. I don't like that. I do like letting people play more magic. Yeah. Which if we get, if we get into any of the flashback today, we're actually going to get into something about that. Uh, pretty, pretty soon about the like incentivized not to play magic type thing, but letting people play more because here's the other thing. I had a friend who, uh, you know, he wanted to go to a regional championship, but he won the first RCQ of a season and there was going to be like three more that he could play and they're all like one K. And he just, con- he like conceded at some point in the top eight to not qualify because he's like, yeah, I want to be able to play in the other events. And I was like, okay. I mean, like, 
you know, do your thing. But uh, do you want to move on to the subject or you want to keep going? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say my piece about this sure. invites passing down thing because I've never really understood why that is so necessary. Like the, the bar is there. You have to win one of these events. Go out and win it. For some, I like. I understand it. It's kind of a feel bad to lose the finals to someone who's already qualified. You know, mm-hmm. feel free to ask them for a concession <laughs> if they don't want to concede to you. That's their right. There's, you know, they, they could they can win the tournament. Mm-hmm. So just just try just win a tournament. I so mean, if your opponent wasn't qualified, you would have had to win it. There, 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 there is one other thing I thought about here. This will lower the amount of people at RCs by a tiny bit. Not like a humongous amount, but like less people will be qualified now if we do this because, you know, some some people will, will eat up multiple things. So maybe you go from like 1,500 people to 1,300 people. Maybe. I don't know the exact number is going to be, but maybe. But who knows? With with SCG taking over and people really wanting to do it, maybe it really incentivizes people to play more. Here's another question I was going to ask earlier about this. Does this mean the RCs are all going to be in the East Coast? No. The part of the announcement is that there's it's still going to be one central one west one east sure okay so uh, yeah they're gonna which means we're gonna have an scg con on the west coast if you live on the west coast and have wanted to go to one you know it's coming Uh, get ready for vegas (laughs) yeah yeah, i would guess vegas dallas dc is probably gonna it's probably gonna be something along those lines yeah san diego again i don't know i I could certainly i could see them running the central one in like indianapolis or columbus like yeah, somewhere a little closer for them. Because, yeah, like, they do have to drive everything. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that SCG keeps going back to Dallas all the time. It's because Dallas does well for them monetarily. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they you know go back to Dallas regularly. But they've also done pretty well in Indian Columbus. So those are the three yeah. that I would expect to sort of cycle through for the Midwest region. Yeah, Indianapolis does pretty well. Uh, anything in like the Indianapolis, Ohio area is kind of a mecca for this type of stuff because it is one of the most drivable locations in the United States per capita. Like, if you think of, like, yeah. everything around it, you have, like, the whole Northeast, some of the East Coast, some of the Southern people. Like, when it's in Indianapolis or Ohio, people drive from here. I don't know why. You can get a flight for, like, 250 bucks if you just book it at the right time or whatever because like, you still have to get the uh, whatever. But, like, some of my local friends, and I remember I did this once with them, they'll just, like, rent a van or something or a big SUV, and they'll just pile, like, six dudes into the thing right so it's like 40 bucks gas a person or whatever they're like just truck it and like one of the local guys here the guy's just a hero he's just like yeah i'll just drive the whole time he's like i'll just i'll just man up the whole leg or whatever i'm like okay i just get the back and try to go to sleep or like watch movies or something you know you know back in the day when i would do that now i'm just like yeah i'm flying the stuff you know i'm an adult (laughs) like let's let's be adult about it and stuff so um yeah like i'm glad to hear that because I didn't think that would be a thing about like, oh, it's only on the East Coast, but like that's the joke, you know, because you know, people were like, oh, why did they move the SCGs only to the East Coast? It was logistics. It was money. Like, do you know what it took to run a West Coast event? It was it was insane. They have yeah. to drive all the stuff from Roanoke to the West Coast. And we were like, that doesn't sound that bad. Here's where you don't understand. They can only drive for eight hours a day. Otherwise, they have to pay them like a bajillion extra dollars. So we would just take the entire week. They would drive there and then the entire week they drive back and that stuff's just gone. Like it's not just a quick, that's also right? just it's cards. Very expensive to do. Yes. You got like yeah. you know, then you have to fly a bunch of people out there, and then you still have the same yeah. costs associated with running an event. Insurance you know, is expensive for here. this kind of things. For not also, only employees, like, your stuff. I'm sure the cost of venues, like on the West Coast in major cities, is more expensive than 
You know, yeah. if you're in like California, Seattle, yeah. and Las Vegas, probably more expensive than in the Midwest, especially at certain times of the year too. Like you know, yeah. like you, you want to go yeah. out there at a decent time of the year. Good luck. There's, there's a reason we always had Vegas events in the middle of the summer when it was 150. Yeah. <laughs> or like my favorite now, it's like, uh, where's the next pro tour? Chicago, when February? Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Oh God! It's going to be literally yeah. 10 degrees. It's it's going to be so cold. So, like, like yeah. I remember when I but, thought that I was going to like like we're going to Denver next month. And I remember I was like, please tell me the hotel. They're like, our hotel's attached to the thing. I was like, oh, thank God. And they're like, why? Well, I'm like, I don't want to go outside. Ross, you remember this? Remember when we went to like New York for an open or whatever? Like, I don't own clothes for this it was, kind of it weather. It was Worcester. I had to yeah. give you my coat so we could walk yeah. three blocks. I, I don't own clothes for this. Like, I literally <laughs> was wearing two different pairs of pants. And then remember, I got like, I got like a long sleeve t-shirt. I put that on. Then I put like a hoodie on. And then I got like a bigger, thicker hoodie that I would wear over yeah. that. And then even that wasn't enough. And I'm like, oh my God, it is you so You should have cool. gone for t two t-shirts yeah, is well, important. That, yeah. the, the the small fit, the the thin layers, a lot of those yeah. is really important yeah. because air is a natural insulator. So all the air that gets trapped between those layers naturally insulates you. Like that air yeah. will get colder, but it'll keep the, the heat inside. So yeah. it, it's all about the, the layers. People, like, people who don't know will just like get one big thick coat yeah. and think like, oh, this will be the, the warm thing. And it's like... Actually, you just want to wear like four thin things. Yeah, I just want to wear four tannin graces. You know, like. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so yeah, that's um, what's going on with RCs. I'm, I'm like excited. I I kind of started feeling, uh, you know, detached. Um, I'm trying to think of what the word is. It's I can't really think of a right good word, one, but maybe detached, but I just, you know, you're, you yeah, feel like a tangent. You feel like a tangent yourself. Yeah. And it would just felt really difficult to try to grind RCQs into RCs when there was one a year that I could reasonably drive to. So mm -hmm. a, a trip to an RC is costing you like over a thousand dollars. Yeah. You and know, then between, only 32 people get a decent prize. Yeah. Between like four yeah. or $500 for a flight. And then, uh, because flights are more expensive than they used to be. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're spending a couple hundred dollars on a hotel and then you're, uh, you know, maybe let's say like a hundred dollars on a hotel if you're splitting it with people. And then, you know, you're going out to eat all the time and, you know, mm -hmm. and then the costs associated with the event as well. Like it just felt, you know, impossible. I, w I went to the one in Dallas and like didn't do well. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this was a really expensive event. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, one of the reasons I played so many events on the SEG tour was I didn't really have to fly to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, when I, I either lived in Connecticut and I, if you, you know, hi, says the guy that had to fly to every one of them but one. Yeah. yeah if yeah. if you go back, if you go back and look, like I played basically the events that we could drive to. You saw me yeah. in Worcester and Providence and uh, DC and Baltimore, and then occasionally we like drove all the way out to Ohio and, and <laughs> Philadelphia, of course, and then Syracuse. I, I would fly to Invitationals, and that was about it. There were probably yeah. like. A handful like Vegas. of other opens over the years you that I've Vegas flew to. Open that you flew to because it was like a team one, and so your expectations are a little bit higher, et cetera. And it's yeah, Vegas, and uh, so, like, it's that cheaper. one I did like because I really wanted to play a team event with y'all. We hadn't yeah. played one in a while, so yeah, like, that, that was, was not one, an event. Right? I yeah, I yeah. would have played under any other circumstances. Even if I had another really good team, I I probably wouldn't have gone. You know, uh -huh. I played some other opens that were like the week before an Invitational in a similar area. Sure. So I could reasonably, you know, get to them. Like there was an Invitational sure. once in, in Seattle and the week That's... before they did an open in Portland. So we, a bunch of us flew to Portland and then we rented a house for the week uh, between. That's another like, thing that, the That's another thing that sucks for me about the Chicago thing is uh, I was probably going to go up the week before and play in the NRG event. 
that's the week before I was going to like actually compete in an event for the first time in forever. <laughs> I was like looking forward to that because I've done coverage for energy multiple times, like physically on site and remote, but I've never played in one of their events before. I was like, oh, this will be fun. Like, it'll be weird to like, I, I told them, I'd, I'd be like, hey, look, if you're going to feature me, feature me around one because I'm probably not going to be winning. So like, just get it out the way. It'll be cool to like get in the feature match area again as a player because I haven't done that in quite a while kind of things so that would be interesting um uh yeah like kind of going back for like two seconds going back on that stuff um i was gonna make this point i think it's funny like we'll get to it eventually we're doing flashback episodes whenever we get to this part of the i think the, the part of the flashbacks that we're doing now it's going to bog down a little bit i don't mean that in a negative way it's just we're when we get into certain eras like we have a lot to talk about about that specific era because like yeah. this was like the height of our career so when we ever get to like the the SEG tour, which is going to be a while down the road. Like we're not even to 2010 yet, right? When we get to that part of the road, you're going to hear me talk about the season I had with some of the overall numbers. And like, here's the thing I've told, like, I remember I went back and it did the numbers or uh, Nick Miller gave them to me or something once. He's like, hey, here, here are your numbers from last year. And I was like, holy shit, I did way better than I thought I did. And then like results wise, so like, you know, like average finish, et cetera, et cetera. Like, 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 here's a good one. If, if I remember correctly, Ross, that, that, that season, I went really hard for BCW. I played in 16 opens. Okay. Made eight day twos. Is that, is that decent? Like, I'm I, like, honest, if you're like, that's not that great. Like, you um, say, so I day two half I, of them. It, it seems fine. Right. I, I, I think my day two rate was probably right. a, a, you know, a little more than that, but not a ton. For sure. What if I told you that I also top eight at every one of those events? Yeah, that's the crazy part. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I just thought so half of them. Yeah, your day two rate might have been a little below average, but your top eight rate was ridiculous. If we're doing well, we're doing we're we're going all the way. And then what yeah. if I told you that almost every one of the events where I didn't day two, I just got to go home early. <laughs> that's that's the added benefit, right? Like I just get to fly yeah. home and like see my dog and stuff. You know, like I get yeah, to like hang out. And stuff. If I'm here for the weekend, then yeah. I better make the most of it. Yeah, but like you know what I mean? Like like uh, Tannen only ever loses once on Sunday. Yeah, right. <laughs> the funny part is I actually have a good record of the finals. But anyway, uh, like like uh, I remember a very specific open where I o three, and I lost very quickly in round three. And I remember I like went to go to lunch and uh, Rick, you know, the manager for BCW at the time, he's like he's like here I'll go with you. And I'm just on my phone. And it's like, I'm curious. And I check because the, the airport was like 20 minutes from us. And Rick has a car. And I check. And I just find a one way from that airport leaving in like two hours for like $60 to like New Orleans. And I was just like, hey, Rick, do you want to just drive me to the airport? He's like, what? <laughs> so I play in an open. This is in Worcester. So it's in Boston, right? I'm quotations here. It's in Boston. I fly to an open, play three rounds of that open. I watched the last round of that open in Louisiana, like at my house or like driving home. I played in this open in Boston, Ross, and then I was watching it at home because I remember because I typed in chat and someone's like, hey, are you playing tomorrow? I'm like, I'm at home, bro. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like that's, you know, so like that year was crazy for me. And then like, I remember that year doing my taxes at the end of the year and doing like, you know, seeing, oh, like, let me total up all of my prize money so I can like, because I have to like you know, put that as income and then like whatever. And then seeing the amount that I actually profited that year, I was like, this, wait, what? I had like one of the, I had arguably the best se this season on tour of like anybody. And it wasn't that good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was like, ugh. it was a very sobering moment for us. And I was like, there's a lot of effort involved in this, you know, and a there, lot of time. Yeah. There were a lot of, uh, a lot of aspects that you know, were particular to my situation that made it easier to, mm -hmm. you know, profit off of SCGs, you know, working for them meant I didn't have to pay entry fees 
So that saved me like a hundred bucks a weekend. Living in Roanoke meant that uh, I always had people to drive with and split hotels with, and almost all of them were drivable. And uh, you know, even before I worked for SCG, I, I had sponsorships. And uh, you know, the the not the, once you start flying to events, like it's, it's pretty hard to turn a profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think people knew we did it for like for love. You know, to to quote one of my favorite baseball movies of all time, probably my favorite. Baseball, it's for love of the game. Right. You know, like I really wanted to win a trophy and like, you know, people talked about that. They're like, oh, the money's nice. Right. You know, cause you kept getting like second and third and fourth. And like, 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 yeah, it, like it makes it where I'm not paying for these things. Right. Like yeah. I actually profited, the, but the money just keeps it sustainable. I'd give it all back for having won one of those finals or whatever, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And like for, for me, it was never about, it was never about like turning a profit for it. If I wanted to do that, like I wouldn't have been playing magic. I just would have been playing poker. Or something you know, like one of the more probably like, or God forbid, yeah. got a nine to five. You know, got like a real normal. I say real. You know, Don't scare unquote, me like that, Tanner. Yeah, I know, right? A quote unquote like traditional job, which by the way, never want to do one of those if I can avoid it. Um, I value my free time too much. Uh, but yeah, like it was, it was about it was about the love of the game. It was about trying to win something. You know, like uh, I knew I wasn't the best player in the tour. Like I'm very aware of that. I knew that I was capable of winning a tournament. Right. You know, I, I knew that I had that in me and it was about testing yourself, putting yourself up against competition. And I mean, you know this and a lot of people always like, I don't have a lot of hobbies that are just hobbies. Like, you know, hey, I just do this for fun. I'm like very competitive at everything I do. And I can't help it because I'm one of those people that uh, I'm like the ADHD guy where like I'm like pretty good and get into everything that I do, but I might not be a master of anything. But like everything I do, like I'm like, what's the meta? Like, how can I get better? And I'm talking physical things too, like like sports. Like, I'm pretty yeah. decent at all of them, you know. Like, and so I, like, I want to have a basic idea of not only like what to do from like a, yeah. a physical standpoint. Like, I'll take you know basketball as an example, since that's one I've played recreationally, but I'm not very good at. Yeah. But like, I'll like look up like what is my form supposed to look like on these shots, yeah. and yeah. what am I supposed to do here? But I also want to know, you know, as a gamer, like how do like how do I strategize in ba- like yeah. recreational basketball? Like what cuts should I make? You know, what, like what kind of passes am I supposed so, to be doing? Like yeah. that, that's the part that's fun for me is trying yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Trying to break it. Like that's, that's how we, that's how we approach it. Right. We're gamers. We try to min max. Like yeah. here's a good example. One of the uh, things that I do the most that I, the, one of the games that I play the most of my friends, like for fun that I've never played like a competitive thing of is overwatch. We play a lot of overwatch too. Now, you know, cause that's the newest one. That's the one to play. And um, I play with a group of people like, Every single one of them played Magic at a time, or were like card players, or you know, we we get all reminisce about the other games that we play. This when we were tr- when we were playing, we were having fun, but we are trying to win. We are constantly countering our opponent's uh, team. We're like, hey, they're doing this, so like we need to do this, like kind of thing. We're like we're we're all in a Discord together, like talking together, and we only play. We have a group of like it's it's five on five now. It used to be six on six, and we only play. We have a group of like three, four, or five people because like we need to, we need to trust ourselves and trust our team. And we, we do this for the other games too. Like, you know, I play, I play Warzone on Call of Duty and like, we were constantly like, uh, testing builds. You're like, Hey, is this build better than that one? And like, how do you like, what do you want to pair this with? And like, I can't just sit, like, I can't just sit down, crack a beer and play a game for an hour and just have fun with it. Like, I, I, I can't do it. Like I'll have fun yeah. with it, like and play it casually, but like, I don't have something for that. That's, that's watching TV for me. Yeah. It, it's yeah. why I've never understood you know that's why i've always disliked 
the attitude that some like, casual gamers will have where they say, you know, you're taking the fun out of it as if fun and like trying are opposed to each other. Because for me, they've always been one and the same. So, and if we're playing, you know, a, a deep strategy game of, of any sort of kind, I'm going to try and I'm going to like look at the game and try to figure it out as best I can. I don't have to get it right. I don't have to win, but I have to try. And that like, and it, I, for me, if I was going to sit there and play, you know, a, an in-depth game, but not try, just kind of make decisions at random, I just feel like I'm playing Candyland. We should all just sit around and roll dice and move our little pieces and see who gets to the end first. Uh, mm -hmm. Or we could play like the Flanderses and only move one mm -hmm. space at a time because daddy says dice are wicked. It's less yeah, fun that it, way. It, it's like, like, here's a good example. Like how I got into poker. I remember I showed up to my local draft thing with, you know, if you think of, if you listen to some of the uh, flashback stuff I talk about, like I got very lucky with the group of players that I played with. They were all very good. And I showed up to like one of our local drafts. We were going to draft at Mirrodin. Like this is about the time that was happening. I think, I think we we're going to draft Mirrodin block. And one of the guys shows up and I'll never forget this. He walks in. He has a deck of playing cards in his hand. He has a giant bag. And so they just a bunch of change. We're tied to the of the early part of the show too, you know, with the change. Yeah. And we're like, what is that? And he goes, I've been playing this game online lately and I've been making a lot of money. And I think you guys should look into this. And we're like, what is it? He goes, it's called Texas Hold'em. And this is how long ago this was, Ross. When he says that, half of us are like, "What's Texas Hold'em?" Yeah, but we've never even heard of it. It had not I had the bone yet. When I got taught how to play poker in the yeah. '90s, when I was a kid, it was, not, it know, was just draw it, or yeah, stud. Five, five card draw or stud. Yeah, like you know, I knew how to play those games, but like the Chris Moneymaker thing hadn't happened yet. If you're if you're a uh, a big poker person, you know that what I mean by this. For the people who don't, um, there was a guy. His name is Chris Moneymaker, which, by the way, his name just being Moneymaker yeah. is the most ridiculous thing of all time. But uh, Chris, this is back, you know, before he wins, obviously before the huge boon, uh, you know, it was still covered on ESPN, but not really. It was like kind of like the Ocho, you know, the joke about like, you know, the, yeah. the, the random things they do. He qualifies by, he like wins like a $5 satellite and puts him into like another satellite. And then he wins that satellite and puts him into the World Series of Poker. You know, it's a $10,000 buy-in at the time. First place was a million dollars. So now it's like, you know, 10 million or whatever, 15 million, whatever. You know, a ton of people go. But he goes there and he's... A, an unknown amateur versus like the titans of the game because yeah. you know the, the tournament is not as big and this is uh 2003 if memory yes. serves yes yeah, my literal senior year of high school my first year of college and you know he wins right obviously but he wins otherwise the story would be that good he, he ends up winning and he's just like you know he gets lucky in some spots plays really well in other spots against like all these titans of the game you know like crushes a lot of people and poker just takes off it gets huge and anybody who's around this time remembers so my buddy walks in has the bag of change, has the cards, and he teaches us how to play. Again, this is before the Moneymaker thing. He teaches us how to play Limit Hold'em. Not No Limit. Limit Hold'em because that is the most popular game in the world at the point. Because I remember when I got online for the first time, there was infinite limit tables and less No Limit tables. Now it's you can it's hard to find limit games. The game is solved and the people who are good at it are very good. Anyway. Yeah, Limit is fair is like much more just it's, math. It's math. Right. Like, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Here we go. Here's 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 a flashback episode for you. We're talking about the other stuff, the tangential stuff. So he sits down, he's like, hey, let's not draft tonight. Let's learn this. So he, he teaches us the basics, right? He's like, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to deal with the cards. Here's the community. Like, you know, you bet here, like whatever. You bet in this, in the difference between no limit and limit. In no limit, you can bet any amount at any time. In limit, you bet a structured amount at all times. It is, it is, it is completely structured game. That's why it's pure math. It's all odds. Anyway, so he teaches us how to do it. We play hand for fun. 
secondhand happens. And literally I just look at him and go, so why would you ever fold preflop? Like, why wouldn't you see the flop? So that's the kind of group I'm at. Cause like we've also asked questions immediately instead of just playing the game for fun, it's two hands in with five minutes in. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to know the deeper strategy of this game. Like I, yeah. I want to know why. Right. And so since I asked that question and seemed really into it, he, he was like, Hey, just come over after this. Like you can, you can watch me play. We'll talk. And you know, I get home and he's, he's playing on party poker at the time. And he hands me a book by David Skolansky. It's low limit hold or whatever. Right. Cause at the time there's no online sites. And the only way to like learn this stuff is there's books and there's like fonts. Yeah. Maybe there were super systems, there's super by system, Doyle. multiple books by Skolansky and then like some other stuff. Right. Yeah, Skolansky's the Caro's book of tells. Sure, yeah, which I never read that stuff. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not a big believer in physical tells. So I don't. It doesn't work for me. Therefore, I don't put stock into it. So yeah, no, I'm much more into patterns and stuff. Anyway, so I start, I start learning a bunch, looking into it. Remember, this is 2003. I'm like a senior in high school, freshman in college. Can't remember living at home with my parents. My buddy, he's like, look, I get 50 bucks for signing you up for party poker. I'll just put the $50 in your account. So he just transfers the $50 over. I think I played for six months, like just playing, starting out with one table of limit hold'em. And then I'd get up to four tables. This is, that was the max they'd let you play at the time. I would email them every day. Let me play more tables, please. Because I was, I was one of the guys, I have a video of me like 20 tabling on one monitor, just going nuts, right? With, by the end of the, you know, by the end of the, like that six months, I think I'd turn that 50 bucks into like 30K or something online. Like just literally just racking people because they were just, so bad it was like it, it, like i don't mean that in a bad way it's just like they didn't understand that the game is not a game of chance like obviously there is luck involved but like yeah there's the joke if you've seen the movie rounders he's like why are the same people at the final table every year of the world series of poker which it's not as much anymore it's a much bigger thing but he's like are they just the luckiest guys on the planet oh it's a skill game like yeah. if you're constantly putting yourselves into like 60 to 70 to 80 percent favorite spots it's just like magic like you just you constantly do the right thing and eventually it works out it's like it's like owning stocks it's the same thing like you just keep doing the right thing and it will override all the time that doesn't go yes. right for you the, the the irony of randomness is that it's very predictable yes exactly <laughs> i always talk about it like people are like oh you just like play poker like i'm like yeah like every hand is individual but it's just infinite situations of statistical variance and random occurrences over and over and over again but i just look at it as one full thing so like if i'm always making a 65 percent you know, favorite like play in this spot. And I do that a hundred times a year. It's going to suck when I lose. And here's the thing. I can lose it five times in a row. I can lose it 10 times in a row. Cause that's how math works. Yeah. But, like at the end of the year, what's all the situation? I'm probably going to be profitable. if I just keep making that, that play in those spots. Yeah. So I just turned you. So like, I just turned into a robot, played limit hold'em, and did really well for a few years, Ross. Like we're not going to get into the actual numbers, but we did really well. And I, and I miss those days and I miss those times. That's that's kind of where the, the, you're going to see the gap going on in my magic career when it comes to, you know, after these things, because I I would play magic at time, but I was just putting in so much time at school. I had a, like a serious girlfriend at the time and I was playing infinite poker that like, I think I was sleeping like four hours a night. This is where I had a huge health thing as well. I had to like go see a doctor, like, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not sleeping. I'm drinking probably like seven cans of Coke a day. And I'm eating Hot Pockets because I'm a 20-year-old, you know, or 19-year-old, 18-year-old, like with money and disposable income, don't you, know what You're do basically that. the South Park kids in the World of Warcraft yes. episode. Yeah. And so my doctor's like, what are you doing? You're killing yourself. And like, and like, I remember I haven't had a soda since, literally. I have not had a soda by itself since that, since that day, seeing that doctor. I literally cold turkeyed it. It sucked. I was addicted. You know, I'd get headaches for the first you know week or two that I didn't, you know, have caffeine right away in the morning or whatever. But, you know, my health's been a lot better since then, obviously. You know, I started eating real foods and sleeping at night and 
wow, the world was better, Ross. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. But, just, you know, the, the, t- take a walk, drink some water, and touch sleep, some grass. Yeah. And yeah. you'll be amazed at what your body can do. Yeah. 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 You know, I've been big on my health the last like year or two. I've been to the gym a lot and eating really well. I haven't been outside enough lately because the weather here is nasty, but like, I haven't been getting enough of that, uh, the vitamin D, you know, going outside and getting some sunlight and stuff. It's so important. I'll give you some, stuff. I'll give you some vitamin D tannin. Yeah, God, I knew, I, I, I thought about saying, I was like, I just shouldn't <laughs> even say this. Like, <laughs> it, it's going to be like, you can hear the trepidation in my voice, the, the apprehension. I was like, man, you know, just to keep trying just, to use big words. Like lobbing them up. Yeah. Just lobbing them up for me. Ross likes volleyball. Just like setting it up on the, on a tee or so he can spike it, you know, kind of thing. Oh, God, was I terrible at t-ball? Were you, were you really bad at t-ball? So. I was, came to- I was, I played all the way from T-ball through little league. I loved it. Uh, I was bad. So I, I was fine in the field. So it's I funny. Field. I'm very similar. Cause like, couldn't hit. You know, obviously I love baseball more than anyone, you know, like just as a, a, a way to like, you know, if you've listened to the show, you know, I love baseball. I can never hit. Like I, I was never a good hitter. Like I, I can make contact, yeah. like whatever, but like I could never, like, I never got it. I also never got like real coaching for hitting, but I was young. I could throw really well, I could run, and I could catch. So, like, I was a really good outfielder, you know, pitched a little before I got hurt and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, I was raised by a single mom, so I couldn't always get to practice and, like, couldn't always play and stuff. But, like, you know, when I did, I was, like, and also hitting puberty before everybody else helped. You know, I was, like, shaving in, like, 7th or 8th grade. All these other people weren't. And I was, like, tall. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was, like, almost 6 feet tall, like, 120 pounds. But, like, still, you know, I'm bigger than most people. So it helped, yeah. but... No, I was, uh, my little league team won the city championship one year. We went 19 and 0 and, uh, our, uh, our coach who also owned the ambulance company that sponsored us, uh, he held, you know, a postseason party uh, at the, the main branch of the ambulance company, which like had a room for it. And, you know, it's just like a, you know, kids pizza party basically. And he put together this like photo montage with like music it was the boys of summer right you know uh don henley and then gave us all a uh like a bound pamphlet not pamphlet but like a bound thing of like pictures of everything and then it had a a page of all of our stats for the season Uh and you know even at that age i was like yeah let me look at all the stats i hit 044 that's don good ross yeah our best player, who was also our starting pitcher, he hit seven ten. That's very good, Ross. <laughs> seven ten. Yeah, like a split or sorry, <laughs> yeah. but, sorry. This is the good kind of seven ten, Tannen. Yeah, not the one that's impossible to pick up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, I I, uh, I I learned as a as a teenager that my athletic ability lied with the racket sports. Mm-hmm. See, that's the ones like I'm. I'm not good at tennis. Like I just, I yeah. can't, I can't do it. I don't know. It's the footwork. What? I just get frustrated. Yeah. I could, I could teach you if you, if you were around I'm me for right. a summer. You, I could, I'm I right. could get you there. I'll be all right. Yeah. Then we'll, hey, then we'll go play golf and see if it, who's closer to which. And because I guarantee you, the delta between me and you at golf is probably way bigger than the delta between you and me in tennis. Oh, I, I agree. <laughs> Though I can putt. Okay. That's, I that's, played a ton okay. of miniature golf. I sure. can putt. Okay. I'm good at controlling my my speed. Sure, that's that's is, all it's really about, anyway. Yeah, which is real, basically the most important thing. Yeah, I, I probably need some help reading the greens a little bit. Yeah, 
I, I can do a little of it, but not not a ton, mm-hmm. because obviously, like, miniature golf, you don't do that as much. Yeah, that's the secret um, about golf. If, like, you can't control your speed on the greens and you're putting, you have zero chance to make it anyway. So it doesn't matter if you can reach, like, oh, yeah, it's like a ball outside, but if you, if you hit it too hard or too soft, like, it doesn't matter. Because, like, it's yeah. going to break different depending on the speed of what you hit your play. Yep, so, like, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, so I, I, can, I can putt a little bit, but, mm. yeah, off the tee, it is ugly. <laughs> ugly. Look. For everybody who's like thinks you know, like they get competitive in magic, maybe gets you know down about your results. You want to feel better about yourself? Go try to play golf. It is the most <laughs> humbling thing you'll ever do in your life. You're like, like I love it. People are like, what do you think is the hardest sport? People are like, oh, uh, golf can't be that hard. You know, the ball doesn't move. It's just sitting there. You hit it with a stick. Yeah, go do that. <laughs> it is yeah. unbelievably difficult. Like, you, you know, if if I'm if I'm like chipping ten yards, sure, that's not all. The, that's not all that hard. Sure, but. Go, like you're trying to hit the ball 200 yards into a what what is it like a four inch hole yeah like, <laughs> no <laughs> yeah it's it's extremely difficult and then the best part is it's it's kind of like working out where like it doesn't matter what level you get to where like you're good you're never good enough you know what i mean you're like there's always like people that are like way better than you or like stronger yeah. or, you know what i mean it's like one of those things like you you can never actually like you you know there's only one tiger woods right <laughs> like you know what I mean? So, I love the game, but boy, is it frustrating. Is it infuriating? I, I would guess that hockey, I, I could put hockey on that level, just because having to basically play, like, razor blade soccer. Sure. <laughs> like, razor, razor blade soccer is a good one. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you, the, you're the doing everything. You're like, yeah. you're running, you're constantly moving like you are in soccer, which uh-huh. is just, you know, stressful on your body. But you're also doing it while skating, which is a like just skating is a difficult skill that you have to work to to do well, and then you have to handle the stick well. So it's got elements of like soccer, yeah, tennis, it's extremely difficult, and, yeah. and you're and you're all doing it all on ice skates in like a ridiculous amount of padding mm-hmm. and equipment. Yeah, so, you're, so you're carrying heavy, an extra yeah. like twenty pounds yeah. on your frame. Uh, hockey to me is is impossible. Yeah, like. I was talking about like the physical demands of sports. Like soccer might be some like one of the most like physically demanding of like just how much you have to move your body. And then it's like then you go to hockey and you're like, dear lord, like yeah, I don't know how these guys, like hockey players, are just a different breed, man. It's it's like, unreal. I, I could envision myself, you know, getting a set of clubs and practicing a ton and becoming like okay, an okay, golfer, yeah. which. I, the definition I just of okay can't is, envision myself yeah. ever being able to competently play hockey. Yeah, the definition of okay is random too, because like, you know, you think about golf and like you the you want the, the 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 goal of the game is to play it the least amount possible, which is hilarious, right? You want to take the least amount of like swings, like blah blah blah, and like the average player can't break a hundred. Ross, like if we go out and play it right now, I guarantee you'd probably shoot like if I made you play to like real rules, you'd shoot like one hundred and forty. Or like 130. Yeah. yeah. My, my when you were talking, my guess was 150 in my head. Yeah. I was like, like just take like take par, double it. Yeah. Like when I'm playing right now, because like I'm a little weird, and you know, I just started playing again. I'm anywhere between like I shot like an 81 or 82 the other day, like playing from the tips, and then literally the next. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. And then like a couple days later, I shot like a 94. You know, like just nothing worked. You know what I mean? But if you watched me play, it wasn't like drastically different. It's just. You know, hitting the ball the same, whatever. There's like little things here, or there. I was just scoring yeah. better. I just didn't have as you know many mistakes or whatever. Your, your margin for error, like the difference yeah. between a shot that lands perfectly where you want it in the middle yeah. of the fairway and a shot that is in the rough, mm-hmm. twenty yards to the right of it, is fractions of an mm-hmm. inch, like tiny fractions of an inch. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, just developing the muscle memory to where you can consistently be within that, uh, you know, um, margin is mm. incredibly difficult. And I'm still like very it, bad. It's like, that's the crazy yeah. thing, you know, like, you know, I'm still not very good, you know, it's like, but absolutely love the game. Anyway, we've been talking about this stuff like for a while now, but I don't think we're going to be doing any more like, let's say we're at an hour and eight minutes here. I don't know if we're going to be doing any more for like magic related content for this. Like, I don't think we have time for a, uh, no, I think, I think we've, we've ranted enough. Yeah. And do Do you have any closing thoughts about the, the SCG announcement and, and, you know, I, th I think we've, I think we've covered everything about it. Personally, I'm worried about it for myself. Literally, yeah. you, you throw that to the side. Happy about everything else. I mean, it sucks. Some people are like lose their jobs over this, but I think it's, my, I think it's gonna be great. My my dream is that they get a Cedric and Patrick casting it and you on the floor. Uh, if that happens, that. you know, it would be like an early Christmas present. I would like the other team to be you and Corey Baumeister, but that would be awesome. Yeah, as I'll say, uh, a big big fan there as well. Uh, I think. Not involving Corey in some way would be, uh, if 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 it works out, obviously like there's there's stuff yeah. to it, but you know Corey's one of the best casters in the world. And you know, magic maybe they use different casters based on the region that they're in to yeah. try to keep them local if they're going to have them on site. Um, obviously, if they're going to do the remote remote casting, then you know they can get whoever. But yeah. uh, on site casting, honestly, it just kind of feels better. You know, you're attached know to what, a little more. Yeah, yeah, like the the so. You know, I, I listened to the a podcast done by the radio announcer for the Utah Jazz okay. called Locked On Jazz. If you, if any sports people, if you listen to Locked On X for whatever sports team you have, not not just basketball, any anything that that's him. He started the whole podcast network, the Locked On Sports Network, um, and, and so that the original one is is Locked On Jazz. And uh, you know, I've been listening for almost a decade, and there was the the during the the big COVID years, like 2021 uh, era, he had, you know, like, he wasn't around the team nearly as much and wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, uh, on site for, for some things. They were doing remote yeah. casting. Like, he was just in the, the Jazz yeah. Arena during, like, an away game, you know, doing remote casting. And he's like, yeah, it was the hardest year I've, I've ever had. Yeah. He's, he's been the radio guy since 2009. He's, been, you know, done other radio, you know, for a decade at least before that. It was like, it was the hardest year. Like, you're just not... You, you, if you're not in the environment, you don't have a sense of the energy there of what's going on. And, uh -huh. you know, the, part of the caster's job is to develop a narrative of the event that you're casting. And it's just so much harder to do that when you're so far detached. So, yeah, ho like, hopefully we get it in person. But uh, I understand that that's a, a significant cost. <laughs> to yeah, because like, I mean, you know, people, if you, if you watch the coverage, you might even realize it. But like the way that we've been doing coverage for RCs, and I think this is a great way to do this honestly because it just cuts costs so much is at the actual event would be myself and then the about three to four people working the event in the back and that's the people who are physically there setting everything up taking everything down running the computers running the program and doing that stuff because it takes a lot of people to do to make sure this all goes correct like i've got a video on my phone of the behind the stages for the pro tours and how many people is involved and it is a lot Ross um yeah and then the four casters I remember there was an event that we did where we had four casters we were in three different continents <laughs> we had North America South America and Europe so three different time zones uh, way more than three I think I think we have I think we had well the max you have is four but I think we had four different time zones like we had an east coast west coast person or something and then 
whatever time zone, I think it was Paula, whatever time zone Paula was in, and then we had somebody from Europe or whatever, and that's obviously yeah. way different. But and yeah, Paula, so like Brazil is probably at like another east, four yeah. hours or yeah. so ahead, three hours, yeah. because Brazil's way further um, east than you actually think. Yeah, because of the way the earth is, it's yeah. curved. Yeah, for you well, flat it's, earthers. It's the way the land masses yeah. Are, yeah. are joined. Like the east coast of the U.S. basically lines up with the west coast of South America. Yeah. Because Central America... Yeah. It doesn't go straight down. It curl. It curls. Yeah. Free flat earthers out there. Sorry, but, but yeah. So so that like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sorry to any yeah, flat earthers. So whenever and I say just me because like Niall was at the last show as well. She was great. But I'm just saying like in general, what happened over the last like seven or whatever you know that we did. I was the only person who was physically on site because what I do, I need to be there. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I need to actually be there for the show. So. You need to be talking with people, figuring yeah. out what's going on. You know, yeah. you learn things. Like, I'm sure you hey. wouldn't, if you had been doing your job remotely, you wouldn't have learned about that guy who, it's, yeah. it was his birthday and, you know, he LCQ did. Like, you might have said it during an interview, hey. and then you would have, like, on the spot been like, oh, crap, I wish yeah. I had known about this beforehand. Yeah, like, I physically go out there during rounds. and say, Look, here's the thing. In between rounds, like, sometimes I have some time myself. I go do stuff. I'll go actually look at the DreamHack stuff for a few minutes. But a lot of times between the rounds, if you've ever been listening, if you see me, like, I'm watching the feature match area or... I'm walking the top, top tables because, like, I'm looking for people to have stories about. I'm looking for decks that are cool that we can have on coverage and so it's not just the same matchup all day long. Yep. Uh, I'm, like, I'm asking people about stories. I had people come up to me and tell me about their friend. Like, one of the coolest stories we got, one of them was somebody came in and went, hey, my friend is, like, 11 and 2, and I think you should talk to them. Like, hey, tell me why. And they, like, they tell me this whole story, and I'm like, all right, they have a feature match next round. And, you know, I'll go back there, and I talk to Jeff or whomever, you know, Anu, whoever, and I'm like, Hey, we need to like, you know, feature this person's great story. You know, we can get an interview with them, like leading into it and stuff. Then, you know, while I'm physically there, I can also ask the players, like, you know, the last event, you know, Mason Clark was playing the Amelia combo deck, you know, it was like the, the breakout deck of the weekend or whatever. And so I sat down with them for like 10 minutes before the tournament. Well, 10 minutes of the interview, it took like 30 minutes for the whole thing. Cause, you know, you just see the, you don't get to see the raw footage. And we're like, you know, talking through stuff. And he's like talking through the deck. And we get to show that early in the day. Cause I do that the day before. You know, some of this stuff that you see, I've, I've done the actual work. You know, we've recorded this 12, 20 hours before this, and you get to, like, have that information and hear this, you know, thoughts from the players and do some of that fun stuff that, like... Because I'm a big fan of the way coverage is nowadays with that going on, and then, you know, we have the, like, hour, hour and a half of buffer times because we start late and we have a bunch of other stuff set up to go. So you constantly have content. You're almost never going to commercial, you know, the way the Pro Tour does it now, too, how it's just... It's magic, it's magic, it's magic. And then there's a couple of small commercials in there and it's like, you know, some of the stuff because like they can, you know, sell some of that space or whatever, but you're not like, do you remember like the early days where they'd have a match, the match would go, be done in like 20 minutes. They're like, well, I guess we'll be back in the next round, guys. And you, you would literally have 35 minutes of downtime or 45 minutes of downtime. Yeah. And like, you lose like half your viewers and like, like at and least. Rightful, and rightfully so. We're, we're, like, they're going to go do something, and then they're going to be, like, three hours later, oh, yeah, I was watching SCG. Like, what happened? Like, like me, like, I remember uh, we used to do this, like, Brian Masoko, two-time Open champion Brian Masoko, by the way, I have to say that. You got to respect <laughs> on his name. He yeah, come contractually up, obligated. He was really funny. On Saturdays, if we weren't at an SCG, which, you know, this was, like, a majority of them, it would be fun if, like, we were both off. He would uh, he would come over. We would go get some food, generally, like, like wings, you know, something fun, like a, like a sporting event type thing. We go to a daiquiri place, a drive-through daiquiri place, because it's bad roots, Louisiana. We get some daiquiris. We just lounge on my couch, and then we, you know, have a you know fifty something inch or whatever, like on the on the wall, and we just lean back and like watch the coverage. And like we would, you know, 
talk and do whatever. It was just like watching. It'd be like you know, hey Ross, you want to come watch the ball game? You know, whatever. Yeah. The the, the pink exact same thing. Yeah, exact same thing. It was it was great, and I miss those days. I I I don't realize sometimes how much I miss that, and just hearing you know Peace Ali and and Cedric and them do their thing. Yeah. And it was about having it so consistently. You know, we had yeah. forty events a year, yeah. and almost any random weekend, even if you weren't exactly sure if there was one, you could be like, oh, let me check, and there probably was. Yeah, like you get into the habit of it, right? Like, like I have a streamer that I watch almost every day for another game, right? And when I get up in the morning, uh, you know, he he keeps he keeps time. Uh, he puts in like the eight hour day, like during normal hours, right? And so uh, when I wake up in the morning, you know, I make my breakfast, I go into my office, I turn my computer off, I check my emails. On one of my screens, that guy's just up for you know for hours. And I love the game, I love his community and stuff. And like, I if he ever stopped, I would have like a a hole you know i have like a you know like it, if i don't get to see that or hear that like you, you notice it and like we notice that after you know you when i say like who knows i'm not saying we're gonna get that stuff back but if this gets really popular and does really well maybe we get more coverage in the future i don't know if yeah. we'll ever get back to where we were you know you and i joke about this all the time sure when we do but the <laughs> when we do the the flashback we're gonna talk about this was the golden age of magic in my opinion you know, the yeah. golden age of constructing magic and stuff. So, and, and we'll talk about the early days of coverage and how it sort of <laughs> evolved. Like, I, I Justin remember TV, Justin TV and, and yeah, GG's yeah. Live. Yeah. GG's Live. And, and then, you know, the early days of, of SCG when Cedric, ba- like, Cedric got the job by basically just like publicly yelling about how bad it was. Yeah. I mean, like, I could do this a lot better. Uh-huh. And Pete was just like, bet. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, yeah. Don't sing it, bring it, you know, to make a re- yeah. wrestling reference. Cedric you guys fucking love it. brought it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was something, something crazy. So thinking about it, I think it was still Justin TV at the time. They did the thing that would become Twitch or whatever. I still remember the first comment, the only, first time I typed in Twitch or whatever that I ever made. And uh, everybody's going to like this reference. It was uh, it was some SCG Open type thing. It was a match with Alex Bertoncini. And it's game one. He's playing Legacy. He's playing Merfolk. And he's playing against uh, a, I think it was a reanimator deck and the guy or, or something the guy show and tells puts in like gristle brand or whatever and he just says silver of temptation for it i remember typing in that's not in his deck like in the chat i'm like because it's, it's game one or whatever yeah. he has like pre-sideboard or he has one of the many things on camera that like he i think he actually got away with this i remember right or whatever but uh um, oh yeah i mean he got away with all of them at the time yeah I just remember literally this is the very first comment I I don't know why I've thought of this is the very first co- time I ever was like I get the comment on a magic because you know I've watched magic a bunch you know because we would get to watch Sundays at the Pro Tour yeah for a long time and, you but know? it wasn't broadcast on Twitch with a chat and I still remember the the, the day they announced they're like look we're not we're not just going to be broadcasting Sunday we're going to broadcast the whole tournament now and I just got a, I was so ecstatic because I, back then like I loved the game so much I just wanted more of it. You know, getting to watch these people play, like, yeah. and hear them talk about their decks and stuff, like, why they chose it, and then watch them, because, like, yeah. you know, you'd be refreshing every hour trying to get a, oh, a text yeah. feature match to oh, and read yeah. that. <laughs> you know, like, what's what's Olivier Ruel playing this weekend? I was a big fan of his when I, when he first came up. Like, I loved his decks and stuff. Like, you know, why is he playing this deck? You, know, like, you get to hear that, or like his brother Antoine making the four spike play at the Buratorial LA. It's like still yeah. to this day blows my. Like, I remember watching that play. Mike Flores freaking out about it. And then, like, it was one of those things, like, I just sat back for, like, 10 minutes thinking about it. And I'm just like, holy shit. Because, like, on the surface, when you hear the play, which I'm not, like, I'm not going to, like, fully explain it, River. It's like, he, like, doesn't force spike something the turn before. Uh, so, like, 
He doesn't force spike on turn two, so we yeah. can force spike a psychotog on turn three. Yeah, and like, like you very see, like he has when uh because was Kenji Smurr is playing against when Kenji plays his yes. two drop. No, no, no. What happens is immediately. No, no, no. What happens is is if I remember, Antoine has a black and a blue on like turn two, and he like casts duress, and uh Kenji or whoever it was uh, I forget who it is uh who was it you said, you said their it was name. Kenji Smurr. It was Kenji Smurr. I, I couldn't remember if it was Kenji or not. Kenji like yeah, top four approach or LA in yeah. 2005. He like mana leaks it or something or like you know does whatever and immediately he has a force spike in his hand and he could like force it through. Immediately he's like, yep, resolve, just puts it through. So Kenji like draws up first turn and plays his third lane. You see him look at Antoine, look at the blue man. He's like, oh, he doesn't have force spike and he plays it. And Antoine just force spikes the psychotalk, which should never happen. You should never be able to force spike a psychotalk. And yeah, I still remember Laura's breaking out. And Flores should say like, I think he was wearing like a hoodie or a jacket. And Flora's like, yeah, I really wish that he could just unzip his jacket right now and underneath there's just a shirt that says master or something on it. Because he's like, I don't <laughs> think you understand how good of a play this was for him to just sell this immediately. And like, like I remember there was another one. Um, uh, God, who, uh, the the player that got in trouble for Mark's Tron lands. Uh, uh, Watanabe. Yeah, Watanabe. He made a play. I mean, like not to bring up, you know, we brought up Alex, but he made a play once where he like had a dismember or something in his hand and he knew the top card of his deck or whatever somehow and it was like a dismember from like a goblin guide or whatever. I'm I'm paraphrasing the situation. I remember exactly, but somehow he knows the top card of his deck. Maybe he had a delver or something and he's like literally takes it off the top of his deck and plays it so it looks like he doesn't have another one in his hand and the player just plays into it. Like plays into yeah. the one out of his hand. I, rem I remember this. Yeah, and I was just like, this play just blew my mind. But like, you can only do these people who are paying attention and will infer the amount of information from that. You know, and stuff like that. And just, oh, man, we are ranting yeah. quite a bit here, Ross. Yeah, we're, we're at a little over an hour 20, so I think we should wrap it up. Yeah, sure. We've done, we've done enough ranting yeah. about a lot of things, but man, hopefully I you enjoyed the discussion about the uh, SCG announcement, and yeah. uh, hopefully you're excited to attend an SCG con, um, you know, in the near future. Yeah, it's like October, I think, December... October, yeah, November. whatever the last RC for yeah. the year is, that, yeah, that, that's when they're taking often. over, and they are apparently contracted through 2026. Yeah, so I'll, maybe it's only until the last one of 2026, so it's yeah. two full years. Maybe it's through 2026. I don't know exactly, but you know, about two years of of SCG contents of we'll, we'll have RCs attached to them. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens when we get more information. But yeah, definitely early. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening this week, and everybody. Uh, hopefully, we get more normal episode next one but i don't know this one this one was kind of fun for me got to kind of rant a little bit and just yeah. shoot from the hip you know so and, well we'll get back into uh more magic as the tournaments start picking up but we're yeah. just getting out of that mm -hmm. you know holiday break that everybody's been on sure. so yeah well thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you all next week